Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's look at the Word of God together this morning in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, cutting away your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. I want to speak to you this morning from a subject titled, Baptism is a Public Confession. Pray with me. God, thank you for confessing your love for us openly, for declaring your love for us on the cross, sending your son to die for us. God, thank you for teaching us through your word. I pray today that you would teach us what you would have us to know. Lead us by your spirit. God, I pray for each person in this room today, Lord. We come from different homes, different sides of town, and different struggles. God, I pray that you would minister to your children today. Increase our faith. Guide us and glorify your name. Thank you, God, for love. Thank you, God, for acceptance. Thank you for your word. We ask you to have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Baptism is a public confession. It's easy to say of almost any subject or any doctrine in the Bible that this is one of the most misunderstood doctrines in all of the Bible because very few people truly have taken time to understand what the Bible talks about. I'll I'll, I'll give you a a quick example of what, what I'm saying. If you memorized 15 verses of Scripture between now and the time you died, you would have more verses of Scripture memorized than 99% of church-going folk. Yet we claim that we've got this one book that we've dedicated our lives to know, but very few people know it. And people say, well, Pastor, I just don't have a strong memory. And I've told you before, that's not true. God created your mind like, like a computer. It's the ultimate computer. You say, well, I just don't memorize well. How do you know the words to every song since 1925? Yet you don't feel like you have a strong memory. We, we all are capable. What, what I'm saying is we need to make a greater investment in knowing what God wants us to know. If I pass the microphone around the room this morning and ask people to speak to us from your field of expertise. We have a professional chef sitting on the on the almost front row, uh, it could talk to us about professional chefing. We, we have published authors in the room. We, we have business owners in the room. We have medical professionals. We have some of every time. We, we've got drug addicts in the room. We, we've got, we, hopefully former drug addicts, amen? amen? It is my goal as the pastor of this church to raise up an X-rated church. I don't even know if they still have X-rated movies. I don't think you can go to X-rated movies. How many of y'all remember, if you grew up in Jacksonville, they had that X-rated drive-thru. Uh, let, let, me just, let me just see how, how many of y'all evil back in the day. The name of that X-rated drive-thru on Blanding Boulevard was? Jimmy don't want to say it, but I appreciate you. Playtime drive-in. The play, it, originally, it was the Playtime Triple X. 
and they showed X-rated movies. I don't think they do that anymore in Jacksonville. Uh, so some of you aren't familiar with X-rating, but it is, it's X-rated. It's beyond PG, PG-13, TVMA, uh, whatever else they come up with this month. But when I say X-rated, I'm not talking about playtime drive-in triple X-rated. I'm talking about I want to pastor a church full of X-rated Christians, ex-drug addicts, ex-liars, ex-thieves, ex-lazy people, ex-non-giving people, people who used to didn't study their Bible but they studied. You ought to want to be an X-rated Christian because if there's nothing that you have X'd, you're probably not a Christian. You ought to be able to talk about how you used to be versus how you are now. You ought to be able to talk about what you used to do but you don't do anymore. There is a process of growth that Christians should be experiencing. And sadly, most people aren't experiencing this growth pattern at the right time frame. Most people aren't experiencing this growth pattern in in the way that they should. I've told you before, chronologically, when babies come into the earth, we have certain benchmarks of expectation over these babies. We expect that by the time they're one years old, they'll be walking, or a little bit before, or a little bit after, depending. We, we expect by the time they're two years old, uh, some three, that they'll stop peeing on themselves, amen, all the time. And we, we just have expectation. We expect by the time that they, sometime between 18 and 20, that they'll graduate high school and get up out of your home, amen. We, we expect that certain things will just happen if our children are progressing at the right pace. Well, the Bible doesn't give us chronological markers that way, but it does teach us there's an expectation of progress in the Christian life. I wonder if I had a chart and we could take each person one by one and we could see how long have you been saved, Okay, that you should know that. You should know when you got saved. It, you, you know when you were born. I, you have a natural birth date. If you're saved, you have a spiritual birth date. I was born on August 6th, 1963. I was born again on July 15th, 1981. But if we looked at when you came into Christ and how many years that's been since then, and we saw, okay, so it's been however many number of years, how have you grown through that time period? Are you growing up in God? Or are you still struggling on simple things that children should only be struggling with? The Bible talks about having babes in Christ, being a young person in Christ, and being a parent. And the scripture plainly declares that there aren't very many parents. Why? Because we're not growing up as fast as we should. And I want you to take evaluation of yourself this morning and see, are you progressing as a man, as a woman, as a young person of God, on the right track. I'm going to just give you a couple of key things that need to be happening in your life. Number one, you need to get saved. The, the, the whole message of the Bible, the good news is that because man was, had sinned and was separated from God, that God sent his son Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sins on Calvary. And if you believe that he was buried, that he died, was buried, and rose again, you can be saved. Okay, first thing you need to do, you need to get saved. And if you're already saved, then you need to be properly baptized. I say properly because there's a right and a wrong way to do almost everything. And I had to get baptized more than one time. I've shared this with you because I 
walked an aisle and prayed a prayer, told the church I wanted to get saved, when really I was just doing what other people were doing. It wasn't a real live supernatural experience for me. I got baptized the following week. Didn't really mean much to me. I went back to my life of, of sinfulness. But when I finally got saved for real, I had to get baptized for real because real baptism is only for Christians. Some of you got baptized before you were saved. Some of you have been baptized and you know right now for sure you still ain't saved. You, you can't lay your head down at night comfortably and know for sure that if today was your last day on this planet that you'd open your eyes up in heaven tomorrow. That's a horrible way to go through life. Especially when the Bible says that God has made salvation free for us. That, that we, we can have forgiveness of our sins by faith. But you need to get saved. You need to get baptized. You need to start reading your Bible. You need to pray. You need to make good choices. You need to get involved in serving the Lord. If I, said, if I went row by row and I, and I pointed out each person who serves in which different capacity, when I got to you, where would I say your place of servitude is? Many people aren't serving God anywhere. Well, there's different reasons for that, and I'm not mad uh, about any of it because I understand there's, there's times, there's seasons. Some people used to serve God more than they serve him now, and some of that's based on bitterness, unforgiveness, and carnality. Other of it's based on wounding and, and the right time. See, some people are, are hurt spiritually or physically. They're not, they're not really in a good place frame of mind, and I've never believed that coaches should play players that are hurt. If you need time to heal up, then come to church. Heal up. Grow. Let the word minister to you. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ love on you. But at some point, you got to be a big girl. At some point, you got to be a big boy. And you got to say, because God loved me, I'm a love on somebody else. Because God sent good Christian brothers and sisters in my life, I want to be a good Christian brother or sister to somebody else. It's it's time that we start walking in these truths that we claim to believe. And that's why we need to understand love requires action. The Bible says God showed his love toward us by sending his son to the cross for us. I wonder what our action is showing back to God. We need to be progressing in the right way. I've told you before that I believe baptism is best viewed as a visual illustration. Jesus used the teaching of baptism to get people to understand spiritual truth, much like he talked to farmers in farming terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. He, He talked to them about baptism in a natural way to get them to understand something supernatural because baptism wasn't new. Jesus didn't invent baptism. The John the Baptist didn't even invent baptism. If you study the Bible, if you study the Gospels, you'll see that before Jesus came onto the scene in his public ministry, John was out baptizing. And people were coming to him, and he was baptizing them with water. He said that, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who is greater than me that will baptize you not with water, but with the Holy Ghost. See, there's these progressions that we need to go through. You need to get saved. You need to get water baptized. You need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, this word baptism, though, is seldom understood, even by people who go to church all the time. I want to give you two words to wrap your mind around baptism. Immersion and submersion. To immerse and to submerge. To be pushed under and held down until a change happens in your life. That's why I hold some people down longer when I baptize them. They need just a little extra. 
But that's water baptism. To, to be baptized, the greatest visual illustration we get as Americans, even though it's gross, is I don't even know if they still do it. When I was growing up, almost every uh, Jiffy store, y'all don't remember Jiffy, Huntley Jiffy Food Store, an original convenience store in Jacksonville. Then the French bought them out and turned everything into a little champ. And, and then the, whatever group of people bought them out and turned everything into a kangaroo. But little champ uh, was preceded by Jiffy. Every Jiffy store on the counter at checkout had a big giant jar with ugly pink things in them called pig's feet. Pickled pig's feet. Now, these, I don't know why anybody would eat pig's feet, pig knuckles, chicken brains, guts. I mean, I guess you do what you got to do. Amen? Uh, my mom grew up eating all that stuff and tried to force it on us as kids. If it stinks up the whole house when you cook it, you probably don't want to eat it. Food ought to smell good. That's why I don't eat cabbage. Well, that and the fact that it's a vegetable, but that's a different story. Um, pickled pig's feet or pickles in general. Pickles in, you know what a pickle is? What, what, what type of vegetable is a pickle? It's a cucumber. It started off as a cucumber, but it got changed. Did you hear what I said? It got changed. The way it got changed was through baptism. When you not only push it down into the water, but keep it there, it begins to take on different properties. It begins to change. See, we get baptized in water. That's a visual illustration of something we believe happened on the inside. But to be baptized in anything means to be immersed in it. So, some people in this room are baptized into sports. Your whole paradigm, you just love sports, you're into sports. Some of y'all are baptized into your children. You're just immersed in your children's lives, trying to live vicariously through your kids. Some, some of that's healthy, some of it's not. Some people are just immersed in their work, their workaholics. They, their whole life, it just takes on that. If you wonder about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, because that's a different subject, but one that you need to understand. Being baptized in anything means that you are all in, dunked under, fully covered, and staying covered up in it. This is the concept of biblical baptism, to be fully underneath something so much that you're saturated by it. I wonder if that describes your life spiritually. See, people say, oh, Pastor, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 2009. I know what they probably mean when they tell me that. They probably mean that they had some type of spiritual experience uh, with some type of manifestation. And they, they look at that as a one-time event, and I'm cool with that, but it ought to be something that you stay with. That's like saying, yeah, I, I took a bath in 2011. That, that's no good. The Bible says, be ye filled. And what that means literally is be being filled with the Spirit. If you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and not trip over that speaker, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't just do it one time. That's like me saying, I filled up my navigator. I did last night. It's painful, too. It's not painful as it used to be. It's under $100 now because gas is down. 
Uh, everybody complaining about America, realize gas prices down, stock market's up, most jobs report ever in the history of America, lowest unemployment of African Americans in the history of this country. There's some good things if you look for them. There's a lot of bad things going on too, but there's some good things if you look for it. I found good and bad last night at the pump. I, I, was, I was glad I had enough money to put $89 worth of gas in my truck, but that's just a painful number. But it used to be 135 it used to cost me 135 about four years ago, and, and people forget about that. They're like, we want to bring that back to old days. Yeah, go ahead and bring back $5 gas or, or, or however much you were paying for it. But when I filled my truck up last night for right at $89, um, I realized that's not going to last me forever. Actually, it's not going to last me for more than about three days. Three to four days, I'm going to fill that tank up again. And if you said, well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in 2008, I think about you the same way I think about my gas tank. If that's the last time you filled up, you're not running very strong. You're not not moving. You need to constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to constantly be being baptized in the things of Christ because as life begins to wear on you, you got to get a fill-up. That's one of the reasons we have church so much, give you an opportunity to come and to refill your spiritual energy on the things of God by singing worship songs, by singing praise songs, by being around your brothers and sisters in Christ, by hearing the word of the Lord. So to be baptized is to be immersed and submerged. I want everybody in this room to be saved. I want everybody in this room to be baptized by water because the Bible tells us that we should be. But more than anything, I want you to be submerged in the spirituals. I want your life to be fully dunked, covered up, all the way in. See, the Bible talks about being filled in the Holy Spirit like a picture of a man walking out into a river. If you walk into a river that is moving because the Holy Spirit's always moving, if you walk into a river that is active, because the Holy Spirit is always active. If, if you walk into a river that is powerful, because the Holy Spirit is always powerful, but you only walk in ankle deep. Are you in the river when you walk in ankle deep? Yes, you are. You ain't all the way in, but you're in. Every part, I mean, you're literally all the way in the river, technically, once you put both feet in there, uh, but... The current is not affecting you that much. It's pushing across your ankles. Now, if you walk out, and and, and this is the illustration that the Scripture gives uh, of getting deeper into things of God. If you walk out into that river knee-deep, then that current starts tugging on you. And you start being moved by the spirituals. You start being moved by the power of that current, which is illustrated through the Holy Spirit. But you still have the ability to walk out. You still have the ability to walk in your own direction, up current, against the current, with the current, because you're not deep enough yet. As you get deeper, the current begins to gain more control of you than you have of yourself. Once you walk out waist deep in a moving river current, then it begins to be much easier for that current to move you. 
than when you were just ankle deep. But you still can resist it. But here's the thing. Once you walk out past your head level, once you walk out so deep that you can't touch the bottom anymore, that you are fully submerged, then that current is just going to take you at its will. And it's going to move you how it wants to. The problem with most people when it comes to being Christians is they are Christian in name. They're Christian in belief, but they are only ankle deep in this thing. You wonder why you don't feel the Holy Ghost flowing in your life. You wonder why you don't feel God's movement in your life. You wonder why you don't have the righteousness, the peace, and the joy in the Holy Spirit that God promises. You wonder why you're not overtaken by his manifold blessing. The problem is you're not deep enough in the river of God for God to begin to carry you because you are not immersed in the things of God. Once you give your life fully over to the things of God, once you begin to stay in the deep end, you'll find out it's a whole lot more fun to just float with the current than it is to swim upstream. I can remember as a kid growing up in Florida, every year, I thought it was just torturous. Uh, some group wanted to take us to Itchitutney. Anybody ever been to Itchitutney? What a ridiculous, uh, white people, what a ridiculous concept. <laughs> the water's about 65 degrees, which don't sound too cold, but any water below 75, uh, Jeff's got a pool. What, 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 what do y'all think is good for pool temperature? 78. 78? He, he was going... Yeah, if that water is below 80 and you get in it, you're going to know it's cold. If it's below 70, you're not going to want to stay in it. But, you know, they would take us to this place, uh, this river called the Itchitutney River, somewhere south from here. And here's what you do. They give you a tire tube. You sit your behind in it in this freezing cold water. That never warms up. It's spring-fed, freezing cold water that never warms up. And you just float. And I'm thinking, it's cold. It's way too cold to swim. So the only thing fun to do now is just to dump people out of their tube and make them colder than they already were. And that's evil. But, but as, as a young person, I thought, well, this isn't fun at all. But as I grew older... I began to be thankful I'm in this tube and not in this water. As, an, as I got older, I began to be thankful that I'm not having to paddle down this river. I'm getting all the benefits of seeing the beauty of the banks, the cliffs, the trees, nature, without having to do any effort. And I realized that there is a lot of value in just being able to sit and have something stronger than you carry you. And this is where we become as spiritually mature Christians. When we get into the deep end of the things of God. So much to the point where we're just floating along on God's Holy Ghost River. He's carrying us. And we're just glad to be along for the ride. We're just thankful to be in his power, in his river. But you got to be willing to go deep. And too many people are truly saved. But they're not progressing on these benchmarks. Never been truly baptized biblically. I got christened as a, I was born into the Catholic Church. I, they poured water on my head and told me I'm a Catholic. I go to heaven as long as I went to confession one time a year and stayed Catholic. Uh, quit going to confession, quit staying Catholic. They got doubts about me, but I feel okay. They, they poured water on my head and called that baptism. That's not in the Bible. 
People ask why we, why we don't christen babies, why we don't baptize babies. Because baptism is a decision to be made by a person who already has made a decision for Christ. Baptism is designed to be after your salvation. But I want us all to get to the place where we are doing the things that God has commanded us to do so we can reap the benefits. It, it, it hurts me. To, to see unhappy Christians because I know they're living below God's standard. It hurts me to see unhealthy Christians because I know they're living below God's standard. It hurts me to see Christians who walk in unforgiveness and bitterness because I know they're living below God's standards. We got to do what God tells us to do so we can have what God has promised us we can have. Everybody wants the promises, but everybody ain't down with the work. Everybody wants the blessing, but everybody's not willing to... Do what they got to do. So are you going to do the do or are you going to not do the do? You got to do what God said do to have what he said you can have. Some of you wonder why your marriages won't get fully blessed. And, you, well, one, if you're married an unbeliever, that's going to be hard. That's why the Bible told you not to. But if you find yourself in that position, the Bible says that the believing spouse can sanctify the children and the marriage can be blessed through the believing spouse, but you got a lot of work to do. So that means you got to really get in it to win it. And I came to ask you this question this morning. Are you in it to win it? When it comes to your Christianity, are you in it to win it? When it comes to your relationships, are you in it to win it? When it comes to being all that God wants you to be, are you really in it to win it? Or are you just kind of faking your way as you go? The Bible teaches over and over again our focus for 2018. Love requires action. If, if you haven't been biblically baptized, there's, there's an action that you need to take. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 46. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That is a right and ready question that we all need to deal with. Why do so many people call Jesus Lord with, when they don't do what he says? I don't watch uh, award shows. For a couple different reasons. I don't know who any of those people are because I don't watch a lot of television. And I don't listen to any music outside of Christian music. I'm not saying you got to live like me. I'm just telling you me. And, but I had watched those shows growing up, and it became mind-numbing to me. Even the most notorious people in the world who viewed themselves as hard as rocks and murderers would come up and, I just want to give a shout-out to the Lord. Uh, the big man upstairs done, done blessed me and mine. And I'm thinking, okay, you make your rep on street cred of being a real gangster, but you're giving thanks to God. And, and I know somebody's thinking, well, shouldn't everybody give thanks to God? No, the Bible says the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. That's like my kids. My kids, if, if my kids tell me, Dad, I want you to be proud of me, but they're not putting in the work that they need to, need to put in, I let them know. All that mouth doesn't add up in my book. It's about action. See, talk is cheap, but it takes money to ride the bus. Talk, anybody can talk a good game, but if you really want the blessings that God has for you, you need to listen to what he's saying. It doesn't make any sense to call him Lord if you're not going to do what he says. So part of that is get saved. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which is lost. You need to get born again. Another part of that is being biblically baptized. You don't need to be splashed water, dribbled water. You don't need to get baptized before you get saved. You need to, after your real salvation experience, you need to get pushed under the water 
fully submerged, fully immersed in that water as a visual demonstration and as a public confession that says, this is what I'm about now. I'm about the Christian faith because Christian means an imitator of Christ. we got to do things the way Jesus did things if we truly want to call ourselves Christian. Some denominations inside the Christian faith claim they're inside the Christian faith say that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. And they baptize folk right then. You walk out, you say, they th- in your suit, in your dress, they put you in the water right then because they don't believe that your baptism is complete without salvation. Well, that can't be true because the Bible does, doesn't teach that. Uh, the Bible goes so far as to show us the thief on the cross. He'd never been baptized that we know of. He made his salvation experience right then at the end of his life and jesus said today you'll be with me in heaven jesus didn't say oh dog man i wish (laughs) if i just had five minutes to get off this cross and find some water baptize you you could be sure enough say that's not what jesus said jesus said today you'll be with me in paradise because he confessed jesus as lord and the bible says that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead then you're saved Do you really confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord? Do you really believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Well, that, that's what it takes to be saved. But after salvation, you've got to come deal with this Lord issue. Jesus didn't come just to be Savior. He came to be Lord. He said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? Boss, master, ruler, controller, king, greater than me, superior. I'm submitted to, to your will. Why, why do you keep saying that? But you don't do what I say. I want you to understand today, in, in March of 2018, it's time for real Christian to do what the Lord says. It's time for us to begin to progress in our own spirituality. The Bible's clear. Baptism has no role in your salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says that God saved you by his grace when you believed, period. That's how you got saved. Because of God's grace and your belief. You believed what God said about Jesus and you got saved. It says you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You can't even take credit for believing in him. He, he has to give us the faith to believe in him. Listen to what verse 9 says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I've been asking for almost 40 years the same question to people. Are you saved? And I can almost know for sure whether they are or whether they're not by the next words that come out of their mouth. Oh, I grew up in the church. That's something you can take credit for. Salvation ain't nothing you can take credit for. Salvation not a reward for going to church for the good things you've done. Are you saved? Oh, I got baptized in 2000. Eh, that's, something, that's, that's something you can take credit for. It's not a reward for getting baptized. It's not a reward for going to church. It's nothing you can boast about. Put verse 8 back on the screen for me, Dick. God saved you by his grace when you believe. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And it's a gift that God gives you. So baptism isn't a part of your salvation, but it's a part of your process. Say process. It's a part of your process. And we have to do what God commands us to do if we want to have what God commands us to have. So if someone were to ask me biblically, can someone go to heaven without being baptized? I would say yes, but it's not God's plan. Yes, 
but, it, but it's not the proper way. The proper way is to follow the pattern that God has set forth. See, if you study the Bible, it won't take you long to figure out that the God of the Bible is a God of pattern. There, there, there's, there's, there's a systematic way God does things, e- even in the way that we can come to be close to him. There's a, there's a pattern to this process, and we need to get our lives following the Christ-like pattern so that we can stop just talking about Christianity and we can begin to experience and live out the blessings of Christianity. In Colossians chapter 2, I read two verses in our opening text. I want to I read verse 6, verse before the verses I read. It says in Colossians 2, 6, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I don't know very many people who have ever committed this verse to memory. I've never seen this verse on a sign at a football game. We see a verse on a sign at sporting events. What verse do we see? John 3.16. I've never seen Colossians 2.6 on there because Colossians 2.6 involves work and people don't like work. Colossians 2.6 involves putting some, 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 some proof to the pudding. It involves putting some feet to your prayers. It involves letting the rubber meet the road. Just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. If I went person by person, I said, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord? Many people would say yes. Then if I wanted to get biblical and deep theologically, I could say, did you do that based on some personal self-effort or did you do it by faith? The, The real Biblically smart people say it's by faith. I I, I accepted him by faith. I believe in him by faith. I haven't seen him. I haven't met him like that. But I believe by faith. And so the way you accepted him is by faith. It says you must continue to follow him. And the inference is by faith. But the words are you must continue to follow him. This is God's word for every person who claims Christianity. You must continue to follow him. Here's the sad reality. Many people walking out, pray a prayer, claim to get saved, and then don't feel a mandate to follow him. I want every believer in the room today to know that if you call yourself a believer, there's a mandate on your life. You must continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him. If you don't, there are consequences, and they are negative. If you do, there are consequences, and they are positive. And I don't see enough people walking in positive fulfillment of their profession. So if you've accepted him, you must follow him. You must follow him. That's what it means to be Christian. That's what it, to to be Christian means an imitator of Christ. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. A disciple is someone who follows the lifestyle and teaching of another. You need to devote the rest of your life to following the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. If you claim Christianity as your religion of choice. Listen to what our text says in Colossians 2.11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. We've looked at this verse before, and we realize sometimes the Bible is speaking literally, and sometimes the Bible is speaking metaphorically. When it says, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, it's not talking about a physical procedure where the foreskin uh, on a a male is cut off. It says it's not by a physical procedure. He says Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away 
of your sinful nature. When you get saved, something happens to you on the inside. I wanted you to let that sink in. If nothing happened to you on the inside, you just walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, shed a tear, said some words, whatever you think happened to you. If you didn't have a spiritual procedure performed on you at your moment of salvation, you don't have Bible salvation. You just have emotion. You have church. You, you, you have religion. But real salvation, when you really come to Christ, you get a spiritual procedure performed on you. Christ performs a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. This is why I try to tell people that are saying, well, I, I want to get saved, but I don't think I can stop drinking. Well, here's the good news. You, you don't have to stop doing anything to get saved. All you have to do is make a choice to believe in Christ. And once you do that, he'll cut out some of that stuff out of your life and make the rest of it a whole lot easier. Too many people are trying to stop drinking and they ain't even saved. Too many people stop trying to stop fornicating and they ain't even saved. Too many people trying to read their Bible, say their prayers, make good choices, pay tithes, and they're not even saved. You got, the, you got the order wrong. There's a process. There's a pattern. There's a system of fellowship here. And when you get saved, God does something on the inside of you, and he takes certain things away from you. In verse 12, it says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Now, if you're reading that literally, you ought to be thinking, no, I wouldn't. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized? Not literally, but in a figure of speech. You died to your old way of life. It says, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It's always about belief in resurrection. If you believe in the power of resurrection and you ask God to be yours in a real way and to save you in a real way, then you are going to be buried with him. In baptism, you're going to be immersed into Christ, and you're going to have a new life spring forward. Verse 13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. If you read that in the natural and you think, you were dead, I wasn't dead. Yeah, I had sins, but I wasn't dead. Well, think about what God told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He told them that if you eat of this one Tree's fruit that I told you not to eat of, the day that you eat it, you will surely die. So they ate it, and in their mind they could say, he said the day we eat it, we'd die. We ate it, and we didn't die. Oh, they did die. They didn't die a physical death. They died a spiritual death. And the Bible says because of that choice that Adam and Eve made in the garden, every human being that's ever been born, from that day, has been born dead in trespasses and sin. We've been born with a sin nature. Here's the cool thing about real salvation. When you come to Christ, God makes you alive because he forgives all of your sins. I think people who walk aisles, pray prayers, and get over it quickly didn't really get saved because if you ever really got forgiven of all your sins and you knew it, it'd change you. I don't know what your mortgage is. I don't know what your credit card debt is, what your car payment is. But if somebody came in and just said, right now, I'm going to write a check for everything you owe. You'd be happy about that today. 
If they paid off all your debt, you'd be happy about that today. Tomorrow, you'd still be happy about it. Next month, you'd still be happy about it. Next month, when the first rolled around and you realize we don't have to send no rent in, you would be happy about it. When something good happens for you, it changes you on the inside and causes change to happen on the outside. The reason why most people don't manifest change on the outside is because they never really got changed on the inside. Some people come to church and try to change on the outside and maybe clean up a little bit. But it's the change on the inside that God's looking for. See, a change on the outside will only lead you to going back to do what you used to do. But a change on the inside where God takes that sinful desire away from you and gives you a new heart, a new desire, and a new attitude will cause you to be able to really be the person that God created you to be. Let me get through the end of this. I'm going to skip a bunch of this because half of y'all sleep anyway. Look at somebody and say, wake up. I want to get to the end of this so we can do what God called us to do. I've told y'all before about my mother. My mother is a determined woman. My mother is a no-nonsense kind of person. I, I love so many things about my mom. One of the things I love most about her, you never have to guess. You don't have to guess. If my mom doesn't like you, you wouldn't have to guess about it. Because she'll, she'll tell you. She, she'll let you know. Uh, either with words or you just see it all, written all over her face. My, my mom is, is not hard to figure out. If she's happy, you can tell she's happy. If she's upset, you can tell she's upset. But she is very consistent. She's very determined. She, is, she, she has her way of doing things. And she is not confronted by anyone else's way. And that, those qualities helped me in life, in the military. They helped me in life, in business, because I learned something at a young age that has helped me in so many different facets of my life, and I learned that I don't have to know the reason. See, my mom, I told you all before, and you know the answer, my mom had one reason for everything, because I said so. Well, why do you say so? Well, that's, that's you know, now you've crossed the line of... of you know, now you got to deal with what we used to call spanking that people now call illegal. Now you got to get smacked around because you can, you're not smart enough. And my mama tell me, are you so dumb you don't understand what I just said? I said, because I said so. Now the elevation of the voice meant slapping was next. Stop asking questions. She, that's her love to me. She's trying to help me. She didn't want to slap me around, so she's trying to help me to get me to understand you don't have... What she, looking back, I know what she was thinking. Boy, you are too stupid to understand all the reasons why I'm trying to give you these instructions. But I know what I'm talking about. Do what I say. So I learned early. Don't, don't question authority. Don't question authority. Just do, do what you're told to do. And some people have not learned that basic life lesson. And until you learn that basic life lesson, you will not be successful at anything in your life. If you ever realize that you don't have to know the reason why, go Shakespearean on yourself. So, well, Shakespeare said, ours is not the reason why. Ours is but to do or die. You know, if you have to know every reason why God tells you something, well, well why do we have to lift our hands? Well, for me, that's simple because God said lift your hands. So that's easy to me. Well, why do we have to pray morning, noon, and night? Well, for me, that's easy because God said so. Well, why, why does God expect us to quit uh, doing all the things that feel so good in our flesh? But God has reasons. 
If you have to know all the reasons why you're going to struggle in this, but if you had good parents, they probably helped you. If you didn't have good parents, they hurt you. But it's never too late to catch up to this reality. Do what you are told to do. Oh, people don't like that kind of preaching. Who do you think he is telling me what to do? He ain't nobody. Well, we could debate that. But I'm not telling you this on my own. And I'm not telling you to do what I say. I'm urging you to do what God says. Because it's for your benefit. It's for your blessing. It, it, he's the one that forgave us of all our sins. Following him ought to be easy. I said the number one reason why we should get baptized is because Jesus said so. Not just because he did it, but because he said to do it. See, we're supposed to follow everything that he did and what he taught. He did this and taught this. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 3, and we get out of here. Matthew 3, 13. Okay, so Jesus has been alive about 30 years. He's about to set forth into public ministry. So he needs to go and get water baptized. Why? Because when you get water baptized as a Christian, things start to fall in place for you. When you start putting things in order, order starts having an impact on your life. Jesus is about to launch off into public ministry, so he's got to put things in place. And in Matthew 3.13, the Bible says, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Verse 14, but John tried to talk him out of it. See, John knew who Jesus was because they were related. John, John knew who Jesus was, and he's like, Man, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? Verse 15, but Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Jesus didn't have any sins to wash away. Baptism is not designed to wash away sins. See, this is the fallacy of the church of Christ. They teach that your baptism washes away your sins. Baptism does not wash away sins. Nothing can wash away your sin but the blood of Jesus. The hymn writer knew that. The only thing that can wash away sin is the blood of Jesus. You can get baptized in every hole of water between here and California until all the fish know you by first name. There's not enough chlorine on the planet to wash away sin. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sin. Jesus didn't come to John because John was better than him. Jesus didn't come to John because John had a magic formula. Jesus didn't come to John because he thought John knew more than he knew. Jesus came to John because John was standing in the water baptizing people. And Jesus needed to be baptized. Why did Jesus Need to be baptized. Look, look at the middle to the bottom part of the screen. Matthew 3.15. Jesus said, it should be done. John trying to talk him out of it. There are people in this room today. You know you should get baptized. Maybe for the first time. Maybe again. For real. You know that you need to do this. But you're going to talk yourself out of it. Well, I don't need to do it. That's, that's for other people. That's not for me. Jesus said, it should be done. John trying to talk about, well, not you, you don't need that. You're all good. You're, 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 you're the Messiah. Jesus said it should be done, and then he gives a reason why. A lot of times if you're reading the Bible or any old piece of literature and you come across that three-letter word for, sometimes you can substitute the word because for there and get a crystal clear meaning. That, that, that word in, literally in the Greek writing is because we must carry out all that God 
requires. And the word that I want you to see as we get ready to leave this place this morning is that word requires. We must carry out all that God requires. God's not asking us to be baptized. God requires us to be baptized. God's not asking, God's not saying it's a good idea to get baptized. God says that this is a requirement. Some people have been saved for real, haven't been properly baptized, and they wonder why they can't move forward in their Christianity. See, when Jesus got baptized, the Bible says that heaven opened up over him. The voice of God spoke blessing on him. When Jesus was baptized, when he went down into the water and he came up out of the water, a voice from heaven, God spoke and said, This is my dearly beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If you want what others have, you've got to do what they did to get it. Jesus did what God required him to do. And God opened heaven up over him, spoke blessing over him, and anointed him to do the ministry that God had called him to do. Every person in this room has a ministry to do. Every person in this room's ministry is not going to be pulpit ministry. Every person in this room ministry is not going to be uh, pastoral ministry. Ministry is not confined to a microphone or a pulpit. Ministry is just meeting needs. Ministry means to help others with needs that they have. You have a ministry, and some of you feel ministry in the inside of you, but you know you're not doing it. And for some of you, the reason you can't do it is because you haven't put things in proper order yet. You haven't been saved. You got to get saved before you can do real ministry. The only person that can effectively live the Christian life is Jesus. So you got to get the Lord on the inside. Some of you have got God on the inside. But you've never been biblically baptized. And you wonder why your life has such an uphill climb. I want to tell you something. If you feel like life is swimming against the current all the time, if you feel like your life is an uphill battle, I want you to know you got something out of order. God did not intend your life to be an uphill battle all the time. God did not intend you to be swimming against the current all the time. There's a place of safety and security in Christ. And if you will put things in the proper order, you can begin to walk in that flow. Some of you wondering why that flow is not happening because we haven't done all that God requires. I'm not going to keep you here all day long. Today, I don't have the time to tell you everything that God requires of you, but I've already told you two big things. God requires you to be saved. Jesus said, no one can go to heaven unless they're born again. He, he said, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven. So you must be born again. That's a simple thing. The Bible says that if you will confess your sins, that God will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The scripture says in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here and you're not saved this morning, you shouldn't leave this place unsaved. All you have to do is ask God to save you, and he'll do it. The reason why we have, from, at different times, public altar calls is because we want to give you an opportunity to do exactly what the Word says. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus in front of people, Jesus will confess you to his Father on Judgment Day. Some of you need to make a real public profession of faith. Some of you need to stand up and let the whole world know, I'm in this thing for real. I'm saved as a Christian. I'm not playing games about this. And so that's why you make a public confession of faith. 
And then you follow in baptism to go all the way in. Baptism is an all-the-way-in thing. That's why sprinkling won't do it. That's why pouring water on your head won't do it. you got to go down in the water. It's a picture of dying to your old way of life and coming up as, as a brand-new Christian. It's a picture of coming into this thing for real. And I want to urge everyone in the room today to get in this thing for real. Are you saved for real? The fact that you here in church, you, you got some people fooled, you're trying to fool yourself, realize you can't fool God. I want everybody in the room today to be closer to God when we leave here than we were when we came here. I want everybody in this room today to be fully in love with God. But love requires action. Love requires, I wish that I could shake you. If you're a real good parent, Hopefully you wait till they're old enough. But if you're a real good parent, there's a time in your life where you don't you just want to shake just just shake them and, and just make sense, make get sense in them. Just do it right. Parents want their kids to do right because they love them. They're trying to help them, not not to keep messing up. And I, if I wish I could just shake the truth into you, but I can't. Truth's something you have to embrace on your own. But I want you to love the Lord. I want you to leave here today closer to him than you were when you came in. I can't make that happen. That requires action on your part. See, but I'm going to give you an opportunity today to come closer to God. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to show action for the love you claim you have for him. And the action is this. If you hear and you're not sure you're saved, you need to pray to receive Christ today and get saved for real. If you are saved, you need to come back tonight and celebrate believers who are being baptized. And if you don't have your ducks in a row, you need to get baptized tonight. And I don't care how many times you walked an aisle before, if you're not truly saved today, you need to walk an aisle today and get saved for real. I don't care how many times you've been baptized before. If you hadn't been baptized since you truly got born again, you need to get baptized tonight. If you're here and you have sickness in your body, if you're here and you have struggle in your mind, the Bible says that we have power to pray for one another, for healing, for deliverance. The Bible says that, we, we, that you can go to your brothers and sisters in Christ and agree together in prayer for each other. And I want everybody in this room today to do something to draw closer to God. For you, that might mean sit there and just, just, just be respectful while other people are, are putting their love into action. For you, it might mean you need to come forward and get saved today. For you, maybe you just need to, 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 to pray with somebody. For God to help you in an area that you're willing to say, I need help in this. See, when you begin to identify areas of need and are humble enough to ask for someone to pray for you, you begin to move. See, it's about getting things in order so you can move further down the line. So, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to have a time of devotion. Um, I, I, I want to get uh, a, a couple people to help me with this. I, I want to get Elder Jimmy to, to come up front. I want to get Joyce to come up front. And, and here, here's what we're going to do. And we used to do this all the time, and we, we, we've, been, we've been needing to, and we're going to get back to this. We're going to be a church where you can come on Sunday morning and you get prayer in your body. 
If you, need, if, if you need prayer for your finances, you need prayer for your family, if you need prayer for your faith, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come. I want you to come and let one of these. I, 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 I tell you this. These, these people have a prayer life. They have a relationship with God. And I want you, I want you to come. Listen, we, we like to see ladies pray with ladies. We like to see men pray with men. Listen, if, if, if one line too long, go, go to the next line. Uh, Elder Keon, let me get you to come up here and pray for some people. The, the Bible says that if you have sickness in your body, that you ought to come and let el- the elders pray for you. You ought to let seasoned, mature Christians pray for you. If you want to see your life get better, if you want to see your marriage get better, if you want to find real salvation today, then you, you, you need to pray at your seat where you are, or you need to come and let one of, one of these men or women of God pray with you so that you can be closer to God when you leave this place than before you came. I want everybody to stand on your feet if you're physically able as a sign of unity. Let's pray together. God, we love you. And I ask you now, God, open heaven up over this place and minister to your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.